0: Boker Tov, good morning, Shalom Aleichem everybody, welcome to the Aliyah day, here we are, another glorious day, it's been a good week, it's going to continue to be a good week, a week of good news and blessing and Shalom from uh, everybody, from everything, coming down from Shemayim, We've had some good insights, I think, into this Torah portion, some good conversations, good, um, uh, you know, reflections, things, I think, and hope and and pray help us to be better uh, followers of Mashiach and to to better understand, you know, the word of Hashem, amen. I want to remind everybody to... uh, Do what you can to spread these teachings around and encourage people to watch them. I know that many of you do that already, but I'm always thinking there may be somebody out there who just doesn't know what they don't know, and uh, just people having the ability to glean and to learn is always important. I was mentioning last night to someone that, uh, it's amazing to me how many people we have that will contact us and say that they've been watching the Aliyah or they've been watching the services or what have you, whatever, for, you know, a year. And they've never said anything and never uh commented or anything along those lines, but they've decided that, you know, now they want to come visit or they they want to talk to us or whatever. So the point is, is you never know who may be, looking for uh you know some answers and they they may not tell you up front oh thank you for this <laughs> i've really wanted to learn is so anyway it just just don't be shy and put it out there and it'll be a blessing rukashem well we're in parasha todol technically this is the fifth aliyah of the day however this week just the way things have turned out it's just we've kind of kind of been all over the aliyah we haven't we have not at least this, maybe it's my fault perhaps of not being organized enough, I don't know, but there's just so many insights we haven't really, we have not stayed focused necessarily on the specific Aliyah of the day, uh, but today being the uh, fifth Aliyah of the week, and if we're going to turn to the fifth Aliyah just so we know where that is, let me just find it right quick and I can tell you, I don't have my regular chumash in front of me. So I'm having to use a different, a different khumash. So the fifth Aliyah is going to begin uh, in chapter 26 and verse 30. And it's going to go all the way until um, chapter 27 and verse uh, 27. So that is going to constitute the, the fifth Aliyah. Um, this is going to get it that this fifth aliyah is, is the deception that was brought about, uh, when Isaac was going to, you know, give the blessing to his father, which uh, brings up something else. Just again, a point of humanity. I to again, I like to point out these faults. That sounds kind of, let me rephrase. Well, so, the patriarchs have faults. I, I was about to say I like to point out the faults. It's not that I like to point out people's faults. Because God knows I have my own and we all have ours. And that's not that's not really the purpose. The purpose is not to say, oh, look at them. They have problems too. That's not really the problem. The, 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 for me, the the purpose is for us to be encouraged. And frankly, to not be so hard on ourselves sometimes. Now that's we need balance in that right cuz so sometimes you need to be hard on yourself and at the same time you need to take it easy on yourself and that requires a little bit of balance what am i what do i mean like well, on the one hand we need to strive to the, to be the absolute best jew we can but not to the point to where it makes us self-deprecating or we get depressed or we get discouraged so strive for the best, but don't get, don't get down on yourself. And so sometimes when you're looking at the patriarchs, it's encouraging to see where they, they have some hiccups in their life. And yet, at the same time, these are great, great men. These are unbelievably great men. So to be great does not mean that you are perfect and you never make any mistakes, Never have any bad mistakes. That doesn't. That's not what it means to be perfect. In the case of Isaac, the the deception of Isaac and Esau. This brings me to the deception. Excuse me, of Jacob uh, deceiving his father. Putting Jacob aside for a moment, this brings us to something else, and that is that Isaac was of course, blind at this time, but he was spiritually blind to the extent that he was actually going to give the blessing to his son Esau. He couldn't see in Esau what Rebecca saw. He could not see in his son what Jacob saw. He, he, frankly, Isaac remarkably could not see in Esau what was obvious pretty much to everybody else. He was still going to give the blessing to, uh, to his son Esau. Which, by the way, would have been an unmitigated disaster. Which is why Rivka uh, stepped in. And it was her, it was her plan to, for the big ruse. It's just uh, an opportunity for us to say, you know, you can be great. You can, you can be a, a, a really great person and yet have some pretty significant flaws. That was a pretty significant flaw in Isaac's life. It was the same, a similar flaw was in the life of David. One of David's biggest flaws is that he just did, he was not a very good parent. He wasn't a very good parent at all. He did not discipline his sons. And he overlooked their obvious, significant um, issues. And, uh, And even when Absalom rebelled against him and caused all of this big disaster, when Absalom was killed in battle instead of instead of um, having a celebration for the victory um, he put on sackcloth and ashes and just mourned and his general had to come in and and rebuke him for for what he was doing because it was disrespectful to everybody who had stood with him and and all of these kind of things and so David's fault flaw was that he had he had an an unbalanced, inappropriate, um, fatherly love, you know, so it just goes to show you that everybody, and, and, and again, David is great, I mean, David is amazing, David is, I mean, we call Messiah Mashiach ben David, so it just goes to show you that, you know, even, every one of us have similar, or we have some type of flaw, we have some type of Issue that we struggle with, which by the way, if you if you have a, 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 a midot, a character trait with which you struggle, and some of us, most I say, I was gonna say some of us, really frankly, all of us, have some mida that we struggle with which we struggle, and it's so ingrained in us. From, from, from whatever reason, okay, that we find ourselves struggling with this particular issue, or maybe there's more than one, but it, there's at least one, we find ourselves struggling with this seemingly daily, and, and it's real easy to get down on yourself and go, man, what is my problem, why is it I still have those thoughts, I still, that still comes out of my mouth, what is my problem? Why can't I get over this and um, you know it, it takes a good long while for for that to be corrected and and of course in the process a lot of times we don't see the change we don't see how far we've come that's that's uh, also a phenomenon that that when you're going through the change sometimes you don't you don't notice how much you've changed but my what I wanted to say was is that the fact that you're struggling with that, the fact that you recognize that this is something in your life that needs to be changed, and you're making an effort to do so, that, ladies and gentlemen, is part of the victory. You know, we say that the the, the journey is part of the success. Everybody's like, well, I'm going to get to the to the success one day. Well, the journey is part of that success. Well, the the struggle to improve our Musar is part of the success. That's part of the success. You know, there's no such thing as a super Jew. There's no such thing as a super Jew. There's people who pretend to be super Jews. They're not. There's people who pretend to follow the entire shulchan arukh they don't nobody does nobody can frankly okay i'm not talking about the commandments of god i'm talking about halakha there's just too, it's just too much you know and so just understand that as you're trying to do this as you're attempting to make change there's people who are who are right now working on going kosher? They're in the process of koshering their kitchen. They're in the process of, of, of uh, learning how to separate meat and dairy and all those kinds of things that go along with kosherus, Understand that you, the fact that you're even working on it is part of the success. Part of the success. The, the fact that you get up. The fact that you wake up in the morning and you have Hashem on your mind, you've already won the victory. You've already won the victory. The fact that you get up in the morning and think, you know, I need to be better than yesterday. I need to draw closer to Hashem more so today than I did yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, you are 80% the victor right there. The rest is just putting that into action. And every single day that you do this, the stronger and stronger you become. No one walks into a gym who's never worked out and auto- automatically starts bench pressing 200 pounds. Nobody does that. It takes little by little by little by little by little. So looking at an insight here, um, we talked about uh, Isaac being a Corbin. Isaac is a prototype, if you will, of Messiah Yeshua, but he's also a prototype of us. Meaning that, inasmuch as Isaac is a semblance of Messiah, and that he laid his life down to bring atonement, and, and Isaac's sacrifice is absolutely an atonement sacrifice. But Isaac also is a picture of us. Inasmuch as when we lay down our lives to take up faith in Messiah Yeshua, we become a living sacrifice. We become uh, like Isaac. We, We did not literally die, but we died to self. This is the power of accepting a Jewish life. A Torah true Jewish life. The power of accepting a Torah-true Jewish life is that um, we die to self. We lay our lives down on the altar. Those things that are near and dear to us, but are out of alignment or don't comport with uh, faith, or excuse me, the covenant, we lay that down. And therefore, we become a living sacrifice. Now, in chapter 26, I just want to read this section, chapter 26, verses 1 through 5, because it's a critical point of Scripture. This is a very critical point of Scripture. Hey, just real quick on the comments section here. Is your screen freezing up? Because my screen keeps freezing every now and then. And I don't know if that is uh, affecting you or not, or if it looks if it looks just fine on your end. If you if if it's not freezing, just say just let me know. I just want to know just how to care. because it's been doing this a couple of days. Not sure what's going on. But uh, anyway, I digress. So, chapter twenty six, verses one through five. This is a critical critical piece of scripture here that is going to bring balance to the the um, the statement that. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That that statement has been abused. I'm going to use the word abused. It has been abused. Unbelievably so. In theological circles to imply that all you need is faith. Thank you guys. So it's not, it doesn't seem to really be freezing on your end. So, all right, Baruch Hashem. That's good. I guess it's just a little glitch over here. Uh, Anyway, um, so... Abraham believed God and it would credit him as righteous. Yes, that's true. But that's because, as the rabbis point out, Hashem saw that Abraham was going to do stuff. In other words, you can't just say, I believe, and that's it. So this is what it says. There was a famine in the land, aside from the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerar. Adonai appeared to him and said, Do not descend to Egypt. Dwell in the land that I shall indicate to you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. So, first of all, God tells him, do not leave the Holy Land. We're going to read an insight that's going to confirm what I said earlier about why that's the case. He says, uh, I'm going to give this and bless you for, you for to you and your offspring, and I will bless all these lands and establish the oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. I will increase. Now, this is the promise now that God is going to give him now, okay? And this is very important because we need to understand nobody ever talks about this. It's always Abraham believed God and was quoting him as righteous. Faith, 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 faith without any works, 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 is dead, dead, dead. Now, we, no one ever talks about that, right? We, we act as if James never wrote his letter. Faith without works is what? Dead. So if you have, because this, this was recently brought up to me in an online comment where somebody said, well, I thought Abraham believed God. In other words, it was, what do you mean we have to follow the law? I thought Abraham believed God. And it's like faith without works, i.e. the law, is dead. What part of that do we not understand? Can I just ask I mean an honest question here? What part of that confuses us? What part of that confuses us? You say, Well my my children, my teenagers, let's use teenagers as an example. My teenagers respect me. They respect my authority as a as a parent. Okay. So you tell your teenager, I need you to please vacuum the the carpet, you know, before I get home and take out the trash. And the teenager says, yes, mom, or yes, dad, I will. And I believe in you as my parent and I, I admire you and honor you and so on and respect you. And okay, you come home and the vacuuming has not been done and The trash has not been taken out and you're perplexed and you ask your teenager, hey, what's up? And your teen says, I didn't obey you because I love you and believe in you. Now, how many of you as parents would be like, oh, cool, that super makes sense. Thank you so much. Let me do the vacuuming. Let me take out the trash because what you just said means so much. No, you would look at them like they had been smoking crack, wondering what is going on through their mush brain head, and they would be in trouble. Okay? It's not complicated. Faith without works is dead. Why? Because faith without works isn't faith. That's why. Because if you say that you believe something, but you're not doing anything, then you don't really believe it. It's just that simple. There's really... No, it's not complicated. You don't have to have a PhD in theology to get it. It's just the way it is. And so we need to bring balance to that. And that's where the scripture comes in. It says, I will increase your offspring like the stars of the heavens and will give to your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by your offspring. Now, verse five is the most critical. I need you to understand, because it says in verse five, because say because 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 is a word that implies that this is the this is the 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 cause that brings the effect because, cause and effect. that's what the word because, because. As a result of this cause, you will have the effect I just mentioned. So what's the cause that brings the effect? Are you ready for this? Let's read it. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, observed my safeguards, my commandments, my decrees, and my Torahs. Torahs is in plural, by the way, implying that there's more than one Torah. Torah. There's a written Torah and an oral Torah. Now, God wanted to make sure that this statement he just made could not be misunderstood. So therefore, Hashem didn't just say, because Abraham believed my Torah and followed my Torah. He could have said that, but in order to rebuke the scoffers, He made sure to not just say Torah in general, but to list each type of commandment one finds in the Torah. And then he went on to say Torahs, as if, in other words, when he says, my safeguards, my commandments, my decrees, and my Torahs, that's somewhat redundant, because safeguard, commandments, and decrees are all found in the Torahs. But he just wanted to make an exclamation point statement to say that this is why Abraham was blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you don't need a college education to get this. You believe in something. You can believe it with your whole heart, okay? But you're not going to get the reward of whatever it is that you're believing in unless you do it. You can believe, we've used this example a thousand times, you can believe in eating healthy and you can believe that all that junk food and whatever, non-GMO or GMO or whatever it is, is bad for you and poison and all this kind of nonsense. But if you don't actually eat healthy, you're not going to be healthy. Just believing in health doesn't make you healthy. You can believe that exercise is good for you, but if you never exercise, then it's not you'll never you'll never have the benefit of it. Now, we know that to be true because we're not frankly stupid. We know that to be true. It's we're not imbeciles. We totally get it, right? That you have to if you believe in this that or the other, you have to actually do it. In order to gain the the effect. But when it comes to spirituality, we, we don't believe that at all. We believe that you can just believe something and not do anything about it, and you'll still have the benefit of it. Our this is where we're not consistent. And it's not complicated. God is saying, look, yeah, Abraham believed me. Yeah, of course he did. And it was a righteousness for him. Absolutely. And the reason it was is because he believed me to the extent that when I said go, he went. When I said don't eat that, he didn't. When I say circumcise yourself, he did. He didn't argue with me and say, well, why do I have to circumcise myself if I believe in you? Um, you know, so so the scripture says, uh, "Ekevasher <speaking in Hebrew> bekoli, he obeyed my voice, everything I said. <speaking in> bekoli, <Hebrew> and he guarded all of my uh, safeguards." mitzvotai, all of my mitzvahs, hukotai, even those commandments, the hukot, the the, the hukotai, the hukot, even those commandments that that no one understands and doesn't get it. There's no seemingly rationale for it. Ve'torotai, and my Torahs. This is a critically important passage for us to understand in order to have balance in our life now Rashi points out talking about uh, Isaac not able to lead the land he says you are an offering totally consecrated to God the lands outside the whole land are not worthy of you just as the burnt offering is not to go outside beyond the sacred enclosure of the temple so this is what I was saying that um uh, Isaac was a living sacrifice This is why he was the only patriarch That was not Allowed To leave the Holy Land How many of you have heard I think it rhetorical I know all of you have heard this We're in the world but not of the world We're in the world But not of the world I, I want to I point this out Because this once again Is not New as I, as I, as I'm fond of pointing out, and there's a, there's a, a, a reason for the madness. I, I'm fond of pointing out, emphasizing that um, there's nothing new in the New Testament. There's not one thing new in the New Testament. And it says here to include in the world but not of the world. Where does that come from? It comes from Judaism. Boy, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if there's anybody who's not, who's in the world but not out of the world, it's it's observant Jews. I mean, really. And I know those of you who have started to practice Torah, true Judaism, and Messiah Yeshua, Lapid Judaism. You're, you you feel that very distinctly. We feel like sometimes you, you you might feel like you're you're wearing a space suit, like you're on the moon, bouncing around the grocery store, because you're the only one. In the whole place, looking for, for a hexer on a box. But anyway, it says here sojourn in this land. In the previous verse, it was said, dwell in the land. The Torah now repeats this injunction but makes it more specific. Be a ger, a stranger in the land. Indeed, it says, no matter in which land a, may, a man finds himself, he may only consider himself a guest of God. Who remains its absolute master? This verse teaches us that the righteous feel themselves strangers in the world, and that comes, by the way, from the Midrash Hagadol, from the Great Midrash. Okay, this <laughs> we are in the world, but not out of the world, ladies and gentlemen. That is a hundred percent Jewish from its from its core. So, going back to this phrase, and observe my safeguards, the insight says here, in the words of this, of this verse, Rashi sees confirmation of the rabbinical tradition. That Abraham observed all the regulations of the Torah, including even some of the, the rabbinical regulations that would come later. He knew them vis-a-vis the gift of prophecy and transmitted them to his descendants. So, it's, it's a well-known fact that um, Abraham kept the Torah. And this is why I say, well, how did he know to keep the Torah? Well, if you actually read some of the the ancient writings, like, for instance, if you read some of the commentaries and stuff that are found in Legends of the Jews, people were teaching the Torah way before Mount Sinai. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, really, but Enoch, Methuselah, Noah, this Torah was being taught uh, all the time. A couple of, just one more insight here before we have to wrap it up and, and continue tomorrow. Uh, later on in the chapter, we have Isaac is found um, digging wells or redigging the wells that his father um, dug. So this is what it says about that because the wells are proselytes and. One thing that I, I I also love to point out is that what you'll see if you when you study rabbinic literature, what you'll find is that with all the patriarchs, all three, and also with uh Joseph, with Moses, and with many others, people are always trying to uh find non Jews and bring them into the Jewish world. In other words, make them converts making converts, not Noahides, Noahides, there's no, there's no source, there's no historical source that Jews ever tried to make Noahides. Did you know that? Never. There's not one point in history, not in the Midrash, not in the Talmud, not in any historical uh, works of the Middle Ages, there's never been and there's never been a time where Jews were running around the world trying to make Noahides. Never. They were always trying to make converts. In fact, the sages even point out that the reason we're in exile is to make converts. But even so, it, it's completely ridiculous um, and completely illogical to suggest that as a Jew, God gave us a Torah so that our wisdom... Could be a light, a magnet to draw the nations. So the nations come up to us and say, Man, we see the way you live. It's full of light. It's full of wisdom. It's so amazing. We can see that you're blessed. Tell us about it. And then we tell the nations, Oh, you like this? Yeah. You want some? Yeah. You see that we're blessed? Yeah. Go live completely differently. Yeah, that's the ticket. Go live completely differently. You see what I'm eating? Yeah. You see that I'm blessed? Yeah. You see that it's wisdom? Yeah. Don't do that. You see these festivals that are from God? Yeah. You see how, how what kind of meaning and insight they have? Yeah. You see how it can, can connects you to the Holy One? Yeah. It's wise, right? You want it? Yeah. Don't keep them. Don't do it. You see the Shabbat? How it benefits us, yeah. How it's amazingly spiritual, yeah. How every time we do it, we proclaim that God is the king of the universe, yeah. Don't do it. Do something else. I mean, do I really need to comment on how utterly absurd that notion is? I mean, is there anybody who really needs... (laughs) <laughs> to, to to somehow uh, have that elaborated about how irrational that is. I mean, really. And we could so we talked about the fact that all the biblical heroes. We've gone over this so many times. We worship the God of Israel. We believe in the Messiah of Israel. All of our heroes are observant Jewish heroes. Why would we not want to be Jews? At what point do we say, yeah, you know, everybody's wearing a blue suit, but we're going to be the guy who's wearing the red one? Just because it doesn't make any sense. So anyway, going back to the wells. All the wells that they had dug. On the evidence importance of scripture attached to this episode involves wells that patriarchs dug. Rabbi Bakya explains that this passage refers to the pagans whom Abraham had converted. Now, if Abraham was converting pagans to Judaism, and Yeshua said, if you were really children of Abraham, you would be doing the works of your father. Let's just say la on that for a moment. To dig a well, it says here, is a metaphor for to open the heart. Wow. To dig a well is a metaphor to open the heart. Here to that heart had been closed. The wells dug in Abraham's time were filled in by the Philistines. So Abraham was trying to convert people and his enemies, the Philistines, were trying to bring them back or and discourage them conversion. Did you hear that? Let me me say that again. The people who were trying to discourage conversion, the people who were trying to bring people back from conversion, are the uncircumcised Philistine. Let me say that again, because it hasn't quite hit you yet. The people that are trying to discourage people from converting the people who are trying to bring people back from their conversion, back into a, a, a non-Jewish life, the people who are trying to throw dirt back into the open heart of that, that well of, of spring of life, those were the Philistines. Is there any time in Scripture where the Philistines are marked as the good guys? No, they're not actually. They're always what the enemies of who? Who are they? This escapes me for a second. Who are the Philistines the enemies of? Hmm. Who the they're the enemies of? Who God? That's who. That's right. They're the enemies of God. Goliath was wasn't he a Philistine? He was wasn't he? And he came and he challenged who? David? Nope. The armies of Israel? No. He actually challenged Hashem. But anyway, it says these Philistines were jealous and therefore they wanted the proselytes to return to idolatry. Isn't that interesting? So the people who don't want people to convert or want people to come back from their conversion, hi mom, hi dad, I'm a Jew now, I don't eat pork. Oh really? We love you honey, we made ham for Thanksgiving. That's not love. That's something else. And in this case, it's jealousy. So it says, Isaac redug the wells that they had dug in the father Abraham's lifetime, which the Philistines had sealed off after Abraham's death. And he named them as his father had named them. This is one of the reasons why there's a custom for a proselyte to receive a new Hebrew name after their conversion. End of our Aliyah today. Think good and it will be good. For joining me, please subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. Please like this video, share it with your friends. And I want to encourage all of you to be faithful in your giving and support of Lapid Judaism and Sar Synagogue. You can do so by sending in your uh, or texting to give or using the online portal or call the office and talk to Keturah. But whatever you do, thank you for being faithful in that. we very much appreciate it. look forward to uh, all of you helping us keep this torch burning. So Shalom Aleichem, everybody. look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we wrap up the week of Ali Yod. Shalom Aleichem.